This week's podcast brought to you by Rubber Baby Buggy Bumpers. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. I'm back from Minneapolis. It's nice to have you back. It's nice to be back. You know, that's the, well, I guess the second time, because I was out there a month ago for the press conference, but it's like the second time I've been there in the wintertime ever. Go to Min- Really? Yes. I go to, we go to Minnesota well, once time. a year. Third time? 1995. Well, well my final four. I, I, I don't think it felt like winter, though, when, I, when we were there for ours. But, you know, we go there every year, at least once a year, to visit family. It's in the summertime. I go there multiple times a summer. Um, to call Minnesota Lynx games. It's the summer. This is my first or my second time there in the winter. It, w- it was can I, can I it guess? was not as delightful you weather-wise. Were, you went, let me guess your, your uh, extracurricular activities. You went snowshoeing, <laughs> what ice else? fishing, mm-hmm. right? Was there any, uh, any, any um, hmm, a pond hockey? What yeah, you, lots of yeah. pond hockey. So you enjoyed you enjoyed Minnesota shuffleboarding. Is that Do what you're saying? People shuffleboard there. Shuffleboard is is a summertime activity on cruise ships. Oh, what's the winter one? That's in the well, Olympics. Curling. Yeah, curling, was anybody yes. curling? Well, Do people I wasn't curl? there. You were you were there. So I know. No, we, see, we didn't do any of that. So we got there because late. I'm saying I didn't do any of that of growing course. up, and and there I'm still not a winter person. Yeah, we, you, we you, you don't don't mince words, Rebecca. Tell me what you thought of Minnesota in the winter, just weather wise. Um, it wasn't ideal. It, um, I enjoyed my time there. Don't get me wrong. We spend most of our time in the gym anyway, so whatever. But we get in there Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, we were going to a breakfast and it was, I went downstairs, um, in the hotel to go outside and it was snowing and sleeting. And, um, I'm not used to that at the final four, you know, last year's final four, we were in San Antonio. It's almost always in a warm weather place. Last time, I think it was in a colder climate was when it was in, um, Denver, and that was a lot of years ago. Indianapolis is sometimes a host. That's not really a tropical climate. Yeah, it? true. I don't know when the last time the women's final four was there. I, I was at the women's final four in Boston many oh, years ago. That's true. And we Cleveland. I think Maryland won it that year. Yes, that that's true. Um, it 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 was uh, the weather wasn't ideal, and I think more even than the the snow and the cold was. Most of the days we were there, it was gray. And the one thing we crave more than anything, because we, we have to be in the gym all day, what we crave is on our walk or ride to the arena and from the arena is some sunshine. One day there was, like there was some sunshine. You just want to, you know, you're the flower who's emerging for spring. You just want a little sunshine. At the Final Four, you are both a gym rat and a monitor lizard at the same time. I thought right? you were going to say a gymnat rat and a sewer rat. <laughs> a gym rat and a monitor lizard. And, and, and we know the latter needs some kind of a heat lamp, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that, that breakfast I went to on Wednesday um, spoke there with Holly Rowe and, and, and a couple of our, our bosses. Interlochen, right? Interlochen, Interlochen Country, Country Club. Club in Edina, Minnesota. And um, I've been to Edina many times. We're just we're in the car on this dreary day. I, all I knew is I was going to speak at a breakfast, and um, I asked the person who was driving us. I said, "What town are we going to?" And he said, 
Edina. I said, what? We're going to Edina? I know Edina. For those who don't know, Edina is the upper echelon. Remember we talked about upper echelon? Upper echelon, Michigan or something? Yes. That that would be the... uh, It would be, yes, it's upper echelon. Uh, This country club certainly was. It was beautiful. Um, Anyway, so as we're mingling beforehand, and I think every single person who I met asked me first if you were attending... Um, and then when they went away disappointed when and, I said no. And only when you said no do they let, allow you in and, and stop <laughs> exactly. uh, wanding you? <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, exactly. And uh, and then finally I got I went up to a gentleman came up to me and he said, I think I have somebody here who you might know. And I kind of looked at him quizzically like, okay. And all of a sudden I look over and it's Tom. Of Tom, Dick, and of Harry. Of Tom, Dick, and Harry. And uh, it made My me brother. very happy to see. It was a surprise. I had no idea you, he was coming. You, I didn't think I was going to be able to see anyone from your family because our schedules out there are ridiculously crazy. And because and because uh, my other family member there in the winter, my sister, went to New Orleans for to for see Villanova in the final four. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, it was a lovely, lovely you, surprise. You texted me that that his presence brought tears to your eyes and, and that he doesn't normally have that effect on you. No. Like when I when I know I'm going to see and, and, him. And when I when I said that to my, my family group text, my, my brother John said his presence often brings tears to my <laughs> eyes as well. But also for, different, for reasons. different reasons. Yeah, like when I know I'm gonna see him, it's just like a normal hello hug. I hug low, he hugs high. And um, but this time, as a surprise, it, it was it, it was touching. I was I, I very much enjoyed seeing this familiar face in in a room full of strange faces. It was like almost like a like a, a store brand version of me, like the dollar store me meeting him at the at the place, right? Yes, Holly Rose said to me, she's like, "That's his brother. He's really handsome. Is he single?" I said, "No, he's not single." <laughs> I, I like that she said he's really handsome with surprise. <laughs> How are these no two surprise. genetically related? No surprise. Uh, some completionists may remember, or I assume we've talked about it, Tom is the the brother who, when you met him for the first time, and then parted ways after a couple of days, uh, you went to hug goodbye, mm-hmm. as it were, and and uh, he removed himself from the hug and in mid-hug and said he couldn't be the low party in a hug. Right. He doesn't hug low. Right, he only even, hugs even, high. Even if he's... The yes. shorter party, as he would have been in this case. So, um, so when you said you you hugged high, no, you hugged. I low. hugged low. You hugged low. Yes. Um, and speaking of completionists, I understand you you met a couple oh, of them. Oh, this is unbelievable. So I'm in again in the hotel lobby, and a woman comes up to me, and um, she says she's a, a ball and chain completionist, and that she's going to be bringing me colorful Swedish fish, and. I think it was later that day. She brings me a bag full. She must have found like a candy store where you can buy, you know, candy in bulk. She brought me a bag full. Of boxes. No, no, no. A bag full of Swedish fish. I actually posted the picture on our Ball and Chain Twitter page. I should post it on our Instagram as well. I'll do that. Did you ask her if she had had she any wool? (laughs) And she said, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, three bags full. Right. Anyway, um... So she just gave me this this bag full of Swedish fish, which I did not share and, and consumed throughout the course of, of the six days I was there. And then before the championship game, I look over at like where our announce booth was. There was there weren't any cha- seats behind us. They I don't know how they had done it, but there was like a barrier, and then up above. Yeah, I saw there was like a like a, a vinyl wall or yeah, something. Yeah, and then it. up above is where the where the seats were. I look up. I think there's like five people 
um, with husky, like rubber husky hats on. Rubber husky hats. Rubber husky. Do they have hats. rubber bubby, rubber baby bubby, rubber baby buggy bumpers? <laughs> I don't know. Just they rubber, they rubber husky baby hats. Bu- buggy bumpers. But they had the hats on, and this clear bag, which I, I guess it had to be clear for them to get this into the into the arena. I didn't even think about the gymnastics of getting it into the arena when you're only allowed bags of certain size, full of boxes of the assorted Swedish fish. Full. I just love that security doesn't bat an eye at at a fan coming into an arena with a clear bag of of hundreds of uh, dozens of boxes of Swedish fish because while wearing the rubber rubber baby buggy bumpers yes yeah. because I'm sure they've seen uh, more ridiculous things that people have intended to consume on their own oh, from their seat of course so I I go over and I took a picture I will also post this I'll I'll post both of these on our ball and chain um, Instagram at Ball and Chain Pod or Podcast. Anyway, it's got our logo. and But it was unbelievable. We had two separate um, podcast listeners who brought me the holy grail of sweet tooth candy, in, in my mind anyway, the well, colorful Swedish it, fish. It makes sense because Minnesota is a hotbed of two things, Swedes and fishing. That's a very right? good point. Do you think they were all uh, natively caught? In in Minnesota's oh, twelve thousand lakes, they, they, they were they were native. Yes, certainly. I think I told you this. I was trying to figure out if the person who stayed in my hotel room before me was an angry traveler, or if the housekeeper who cleaned the room before me was an angry angry housekeeper. Just for 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 context, ordinarily I'm the one who. When I travel, dad luck happens, as the kids call it. Right. And and usually, when I've when I check into a hotel room, the person who has just vacated it, um, they, they had just competed, it just had just been part of a competitive smoking contest. Right. No, I did, I did not have that. My my room did not smell like smoke. Um, I made the mistake when I was checking in of asking the the woman when she gave me my room case, I said, any chance this 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 room gets sun? Like, am I on the sunny, facing the sunny side? And she said, oh, all, all our rooms get sun. What she meant was none of the rooms will get sun right. because the sun won't appear. But anyway, when I went into the room. All of our rooms get sun. That doesn't seem, uh, I'm no I'm no. Uh, she said because the hotel's shaped like a diamond. Oh, oh, I thought the hotel rotated throughout yeah, right. the day. I don't, I don't know exactly what her, her thinking She said was, because but, the hotel is shaped like a diamond? Yes. Okay. So I guess she was just saying that maybe no rooms face into a courtyard does, or something. Does, does, my, does my room uh, uh, have a, a view of you know the, of the ocean facing west? Oh, all of our rooms do. <laughs> right, really? right, exactly. Okay. Anyway, I walk in the room, and the alarm is going off. The clock alarm. And that was my first indication that there was an angry traveler a or saboteur. an angry housekeeper because. I went over, turned it off, and it had been set for 6 a.m. Clearly, you know, nobody had been in the room that day. But somebody had set the alarm for 6 a.m. Because little clock alarms, those aren't alarms that you can set, like, to go off every day. And everybody's traveling with a phone that has an alarm right. on it. Right, right. Who's using the, I actually asked the housekeeper, AMFM Philips clock radio from 1985? I asked the house, not the housekeeper, I asked the woman when I checked in after I asked if my room was sunny. I said, um, she said, do you want a wake-up call? I said, 
do people even get wake up calls anymore? And then Holly said, she said, I, she said, I do. She said, I, she was in state college doing a Penn state football game this year. And she plugged her phone in next to her bed. And she said, she didn't realize it until the next day, but there was no charge coming through. Like the outlet didn't work. So she slept through her alarm, missed her flight. And she said, you know, it's state college. There's not a flight, a lot of flights going out. It's supposed to be like a 7am flight. She couldn't get out until like 7 p.m. She had to spend an entire day there. So I think Holly Rowe might be someone who actually gets the wake-up call. Um, so, so I go up to the room. Alarm's going off. Okay, fine. Turn the alarm off. Don't think about it. At this point, I'm not thinking I have an angry traveler or an angry housekeeper. I'm thinking, oh, okay, somebody made a mistake. Can, can I give another name for this person? Yes. Sep. A saboteur, a saboteurist, saboteurism, where you travel from hotel room mm-hmm. to hotel room, mm-hmm. setting alarms and things like that to sabotage the next the next occupant. Saboteurism. Okay. A saboteurism. I'm going to okay. start a, a travel agency specializing in saboteurism. <laughs> so the next morning, I have to get up for this breakfast. So it's I don't know in the fives. It's like five forty-five a.m. or whatever. So I go over, and sometimes hotel showers. Are, take a while to warm up. So I was still in my PJs when I reached my hand in to turn the nozzle, to turn the shower on. It wasn't a tower shub, tower shub, a shower tub. It was just a shower. So I turned it. And when I did, the previous person, the previous guest or the guest, the housekeeper had not only left the handheld thing that you can use. The, the, um, the corded microphone, as I like yes, to call the it. The corded microphone, the, 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 the thing you sing into. The knob was turned so that the corded microphone thing would be what the water came and out. That, and that first thing that comes out is always ice cold. Yeah. But it was also facing me. Yeah, sure. Which I didn't notice because I thought the water was going to come out of the overhead nozzle and the water would go down. So all of a sudden, poof, right in my face, all in my clothes, out of the shower, all, making the floor all wet. I mean, my, my re- reaction time is pretty good. But by the time I turned the water on got hit in the face and then turned it off. I was soaking wet. My clothes were soaking wet. The floor was soaking wet. And it was at that point it hit me. There was an angry traveler. There was a, what's it called? A saboteurist. There was a saboteurist or an angry housekeeper. And they got me twice. They got me twice. I love that we have the uh, the uh, lead analyst on the NCAA Women's Final Four here. And this is our Final Four recap. <laughs> I know. You've talked enough basketball for one I know. I, lifetime. I, ta- I talked weather and hotel. And Swedish fish. And uh, and you used the, both the phrase mingling beforehand mm-hmm. and nozzle, the word <laughs> nozzle, which I liked. If this were- Good no- good words. A great word. I, and, and, I, and those are words I didn't get into the telecast. Right. Which, it's like, by it's the like way- It's like using all five of your fouls. Which, by use the way- Use all of the words you have in your arsenal. It was, it was a lot of fun being at the Final Four. The crowds were tremendous. Um, games were sold out. Uh, a lot of fans from each school. I think South Carolina may have had the most fans there um, and were loud. It, it was the, the watching the players compete was awesome. There's really nobody um, from nearby. Louisville, Stanford. Um, South, South Carolina, Carolina UConn, UConn, geographically, no. I mean, obviously there are Paige Becker's fans there. But it's the middle of the country. It's a relatively easy place right. to get to. 
Um, we were coming off the high the week before of calling the UConn NC State one double the, overtime one game. One of the great games of all one time. One of the greatest games of all time. Really high level. Ryan likes to say, you know, he, he not only loves calling games um, that are close, but where um, where people make shots to win it. Like if you if you, you want if a close game is going to happen, that somebody's making shots to win it, not that somebody misses a right. shot and you lose it. You know, and that game had all of that. It was it was incredible. So that's of course what we were hoping for at the Final Four was. Overtime, close, high scoring wasn't necessarily that, but um, yeah, one of those games in the men's final semifinals. Oh yeah, one North game, Carolina Duke game was and then incredible. Had another great close championship game, but yeah. it looked the yeah. first half looked like it was going to be a yeah. blowout. Um, but South Carolina showed that they're the best team in the country. They were absolutely dominant in both games, um, playing their best basketball at the right time. Aaliyah Boston did what she's done all season long, and that's be the most dominant player in the country. Destiny Henderson stepped up big in a big moment like she tends to do. Uh, there are a lot of great stories. Um, and, uh, and and it was it was a, it's a joy to watch these kids live these moments. I mean, these are moments that will be with them the rest of their lives. You know, they will be forever. These kids from South Carolina will be forever, you know, part of a national championship team for their fan base and for coach uh, for their coach, uh, Don Staley. And um, and. You know, Louisville went to their fourth Final Four, and, and every player who's played four years for Jeff Walls has made it to a Final Four. Um, Stanford, you know, had a chance to repeat, even though they didn't. Um, and UConn was this incredible story, you know. For, I don't know how the fans here in Connecticut feel about the way the season ended, but for Connecticut to even be in that game is remarkable. They had an incredible year with all the injuries that they had to um, get through to get there. Coach Orama did a phenomenal job this year. So um, Conversely, I mean, I had to laugh in a little bit of pain last night when Bill Raftery, the great Bill Raftery on, on CBS, I think it was on TBS, in the, in the men's final said of whichever team was going to lose that game, you know, conversely, this will haunt, haunt them, you know, give them pain and, and haunt them for the rest of their lives. And I kind of had to laugh, but of course it will. Of, of course, I mean, it won't define their lives or, or it will diminish over time. But I know from just, you know, friends from high school and my own high school basketball teammates about losing, you know, in a, in a, in a st state semifinal. It, it's it, it, it's uh, something you will talk about. I mean, obviously, they played in the national championship game. Well, there, I think there's a piece of that, but... But I I'm, think, talk, I'm talking about the, the Kansas-North Carolina sure, game last night. Sure, 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 yeah. Because when I look at the women's side, like, like Coach Oriama said to us before the semifinal game against Stanford, he said, we need them to play a little bit poorly to have a chance yeah. to win this game. Like, you know, with the pieces that they have, the experience they have, he basically said, we need help from them. Right. And they got it. Right. But in the championship game... You know, if that's a series uh, right. and that's a five-game series, South Carolina wins every that time. every they, they time. Were, they were just yeah. they, they were dominant. But they were dominant. I'm talking about it, the and we're taping this, recording this the morning after the Kansas uh, North Carolina final. I'm talking about a team that has a 15-point lead at halftime, as a 16-point lead in the game, and that's oh sure goes of away. Course. That that is going to haunt them for a while. Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, and then there's an, there's another thing that I wanted to uh. I wanted to bring up a little bit, and it's um, 
it's kind of, you know, I think maybe because we're, we're celebrating, this is the 50th anniversary of Title IX, and we're celebrating that um, as we should. I'm a Title IX baby. It was passed in 1972. I was born in 1973. I certainly reaped so many of the benefits of Title IX, um, my opportunities to play from youth basketball through high school, through college, to, you know, the WNBA coming into existence. Um, so we're celebrating that, and we're celebrating women's players and we're celebrating women's sports and we're celebrating coaches and um and I, I just sometimes it it's a little frustrating to me when we lose sight of the fact that when many of those women's coaches are men I played for a lot of coaches who were men who had an incredible impact on my life my middle school coach Len Larrabee was a great coach huge impact on my life Jim Vincent my high school coach um, Jim Gately and uh, my AAU coach, Coach Oriama, of course, and then in the pros, um, some men as well. And Dennis Lobo. Dennis Lobo, of course, is an incredible um, like role model for me. And one of the things as we continue to celebrate women in this sport, which we need to, we need to also appreciate all of these men who've devoted their lives to coaching women. And one of the things I see now, and it's a little bit different, but coaching all of our kids um, and our daughters when they were playing youth sports, you know, second grade, third grade, all the way through eighth grade. And every weekend you're in a gym and you're coaching these little girls. And it's, you know, it's not pretty basketball. It's youth basketball. Some of these kids are doing it because they're athletes who like to be active. Some are doing it just because it's something to do. Most of them are not going to be playing basketball it, in college. It's not, it's not usually the prime cut of gym rental time, Saturday morning <laughs> right. at 8.30 right. or, or Friday night at 7.30 p.m. Of course. And, um, and you're practicing multiple times a week. But when you go and play the games on Saturday, generally Saturday mornings, sometimes Sundays, almost, 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 almost for the last 10 years or how long I've been doing this, every time... I'm playing against another girl's team. The coach on the other side is a man. It's a dad. Almost, I would say what? You watch them maybe 90 to 95% of the time. And they're not taking an opportunity away from a mom who really wants to coach. They're doing it because nobody else wants to do it. They're doing it. Or is able to, to do it. To, or is able to do it. Um, you know, it's it can sometimes be really hard to find people to coach teams, boys' teams and girls' teams. But you've got all these dads, um, some moms, of course. Not I'm not saying there aren't moms, but mostly it's dads who are in the gym de devoting this time. We see it with our own daughters and in, in, in other sports as well, devoting their time to coach them and, uh, and, and to have an with for no glory or no other reason than they're trying to help these kids get better. And I just think it's really important that we always show appreciation and recognition for the role that those dads or other men have played and having a huge impact um, on young girls. And even after uh, Louisville won their Elite Eight game to go to the Final Four, there was this, a press conference and, and Emily Anksler and Haley Van Lith, two of the top players for Louisville, just got emotional and teary when they were talking about their coach, Jeff Walls, and how much he's meant to them as basketball players and how much he's meant to them as people. And of course, players feel that way about their female coaches too. That's that's not the point. It's just that, um, you know, you can have a huge impact 
on young girls and women's lives, whether you're a man or a woman in this sport. And I appreciate both the men and the women who have kind of devoted their lives to help grow the women's game. Shall we get to viewer mail? Let's get the viewer mail. We had a lot of viewer mail because we had a week off last week. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. This is sight unseen, Rebecca. We're, we're going to go through the viewer mail. Ready? Is it ever not sight unseen? I mean, I never see it. Do you usually read through it or not? No, never, never. Never, right. Okay. I, I just, I just, I, <laughs> Wait a minute, I, is this different I, that it's sign unseen? I only say that to, to, I mean, obviously already the, the drama is, 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 uh, uh, it's, it's the, the tension as we approach viewer mail in each podcast is right. almost unbearable, okay. right? Sure. People cannot. I mean, they, they, they oh yeah, they, they can't, can't wait for this right? moment. Of course. But I, I think it only heightens the drama when I say these these emails are sight unseen. Okay. Heighten that drama, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be anything. That's could true. Absolute, anything that's sight unseen, it, 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 it the drama never, is heightened. It never has been yet, but it could be something extraordinary. <laughs> okay. okay. No, it, it is always something completely off the wall. And um, that's what makes this this uh, this thing go. This comes from Roger, and its head its its header is Louis Lunch. Now Louis Lunch uh, in New Haven, the original the home place. of the hamburger. Yeah, got it. Uh, just had to share this since as I was listening to a recent podcast, I just finished having my coffee out of this mug, and the mug is a Louis Lunch established 1895 birthplace of the hamburger sandwich coffee mug, and this mug is from the 100th anniversary of Louis Lunch, which was uh, 1995. 263 Crown Street, New Haven, Connecticut. Louis is such an iconic New Haven establishment with a history that is incredible. One of my first jobs was working for a CPA firm in New Haven as a gopher, and it was a tradition that new employees would be sent to Louis' lunch with very detailed and complex orders to be filled with different types of burgers, lots of different condiments and toppings and special instructions. I was lucky enough to get such an order when Louis when Louis was still alive and working there. I waited in line, got up to the register, and started reading the order. Louis turned around and pointed to the sign, which hasn't changed much, uh, and the sign is, of course, burger menu, uh, and and it's it's uh, it's you know the the. the uh, I thought you were going to say he pointed to a sign that said like no special orders. Well, there's there's or there's like a that. sign that you know you have like three options: cheese onion, cheese tomato, cheese plain, ham plain, ham tomato, ham onion. Uh, I blushed, got the order split equally between cheese works and ham works, and everyone was laughing when I returned to the office. Thanks for bringing back so many great Yukon and Connecticut memories on a regular basis. Roger, you're a Colorado waving cyclist and proud CT, CT nutmegger. Thank you, Roger. Uh, Tim writes in, you know, you, you were talk, we talked about Swedish fish, and I had mentioned lutefisk being the sort of Norwegian yes. fish yes, with lye. Right. Mm-hmm. This is header as Ludafisk. Good morning, Stephen Rebecca. Greetings from the official resident bracketologist of the Ball and Chain podcast. Steve, Steve's reference um, to Ludafisk caught my attention on this week's podcast. All of my relatives on both sides of my family are Norwegian descendants, so we had Ludafisk at every Thanksgiving and Christmas meal in our family, although I myself never acquired a taste for it. I think that's uh, par for the course. Not acquiring a taste for it is, is what most people do. Right. They don't acquire a what, taste for it. It's what supposed does to be it disgusting. Taste like? Have you had it? Uh, it involves lye, L Y E. Which is, I thought that's what you used in your yard to make your grass grow. I, I think it might be, mm. which maybe by people. I wanted to share with you and your listeners a cheer. A cheer my mom told me her high school cheerleading team would do it about at basketball games in the 1950s for a small high school in Adams, North Dakota, a farming community in northeast North Dakota. The cheer went like this. Rebecca, would you like to hear the, the, the cheer from the 1950s in, in Adams, North Dakota? 
Ludafisk, Ludafisk, Lefse, Lefse. Are we going to win today? Yashur, Yabetcha. Now, Lefse is another another Norwegian, uh, Scandinavian delicacy that's often uh, uh, kind of a butt of jokes but that was and t-shirts. This year? Ludafisk, Ludafisk, Lefse, Lefse. Are we going to win today? Yashur, Yabetcha. I thought you would get a kick out of it as I always have. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Tim, our resident bracketologist in Jefferson City, Missouri, and Rebecca. Uh, Tim is the guy who won the bracket contest three years ago or whenever it was. Have you sent anything sent in? Sent nothing. I mean, so, but with I each, have a with box each, of colorful with Swedish fish with you each, can send, with each passing, else. With each passing year. You feel better or the, worse the, the, about The payoff it. has to get bigger. We have to, we ha- we? He has to have like a, a Lexus with a ribbon around it in his driveway uh, within weeks. What do you mean <laughs> we? You absolve yourself of any? Yes, this you're isn't, in charge of the This isn't the chain always. podcast. <laughs> always oh i'm the chain well uh, oh no i guess i'm the ball i don't know we've, we've never established I'm that. absolving I think some... myself from this okay okay well that's just embarrassing Tim, thank you it's ludifisk ludifisk lefsa lefsa are we gonna win yashur yabetcha <laughs> uh, now i won't forget it yeah, okay dear steve and rebecca i'm a long time listener to your podcast and an even longer time reader of sports illustrated back in the day when steve rick riley doug Ellis, douglas s looney curry kirkpatrick at l would pen articles and columns in si Curry in Hawaii. I, I get a text from Curry now and then. Um, when I listen to the podcast, I imagine you two in your basement cracking wise and telling us about your week's events. I think that's an accurate image, don't you think, Rebecca? Mm-hmm. Uh, though I have no problem imagining Rebecca speaking into the mic since we see her on TV so often, I have trouble matching Steve's voice with the mugshot that used to accom- accompany his columns on SI. Though I've read Stingray Afternoons and Nights in White Castle, when I hear Steve's voice, I picture Rick Riley speaking into the mic across from Rebecca. I know my image is wrong, but week after week I hear Steve's voice, but imagine Mr. Riley's face. How can I get my brain to correct this perception, or perhaps it's better this way? Alan, oh, it's A-L-A-N, not better that way. Alan, A-L-A-N, not Alan, A-L-L-E-N, in Topeka. Well, Alan, um, I, I, I don't know if I've told this on the podcast before, but Rick Riley was doing a, a book event, um, I think it was the first stop on a book tour some years ago, and my, my memory serves, he was on the West Coast somewhere. And, and I've been in these humiliating book reading uh, circumstances as well. You're at a, at a bookstore, you give your spiel, and then you open up the Q&A. And, and Rick opened it up to Q&A, and the very first question, a guy stood up and said, uh, what's it like being married to Rebecca Lobo? Rick told me this right after it happened. And uh, thinking quickly, he said, it's, it's handy when you have to get something off a high shelf. So you wouldn't be the first person um, to uh, conflate us, I guess. Right, Rebecca? I don't know if that's the word I would use, but... Conflate? That's a, but you, is that better than confuse? Confuse? He's not confusing us. He's just sort of combining us in some way. Mm. Well, but I think he should um, look up a more recent photo of you and... and or why doesn't he I, just, I, I doesn't, I don't, he just I don't suggest anybody look up Rick photos Riley. of me. I don't suggest anybody. Why doesn't he imagine you as you, Rick Riley? Yes, Rick, then it's true. Gonna be you and, well, he has seen you Riley. speaking into a microphone. That's right, why. That's at an, true. At an, an announce table. Okay. As, as people uh, from an elevated position rain Swedish fish on you. <laughs> okay. Uh, this viewer mail comes from, who does this come from, Rebecca? It comes from Phil, uh, spelled the normal way, F-I-L-L comes from Phil? No, it comes from P-H-I-L. Okay. Dear Rebecca and Steve, this email is from longtime viewer Phil in Lincoln, California. You may recall me as a completionist, a collector of brewery coasters, and great Russian, R-U-S-H-I-N, novels. In a recent podcast, Steve was noting how the whole construct of creating a list of the greatest all-time basketball players or any type of greatest list is so subjective. 
Steve went on to say he was reading The Warmth of Other Suns and felt that it was one of the best novels he has read. And if there was a list of great novels, he would vote for it. It's a nonfiction book, but yes, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, that night I was watching a Pac-12 basketball broadcast and Bill Walton commented, Cody Riley of UCLA grew up in Kansas, a beneficiary of his grandparents participating in, great, in the Great Migration, so eloquently documented by Isabel Wilkerson in The Warmth of Other Suns. Wow, that's a coincidence, Rebecca. I said to myself, if both Bill and Steve are raving about that book on the same day, I need to read it. I bought it online, and before it arrived, the New York Times published a reader survey of the great, greatest uh, novels of all time. Yes, the same construct that Steve is criticizing. In any case, the readers voted to, uh, to Kill a Mockingbird as the greatest fiction novel of all time and for the greatest nonfiction book, The Warmth of Other Suns. I, I missed that, but it, it is, it's a phenomenal book. I just finished and agree with Steve and uh, the New York Times survey takers. It is a great book, and now I am recommending it to my friends. I'm chagrined to realize how my own high school U.S. history class didn't do justice to the challenges of black people living in the post-Civil War South. Instead of school boards banning books like this, it should be required reading. And he puts in helpful stage directions. Steve, breathe here. You're absolutely right, Phil. I mean, I... Because for I, a while, weren't you going to try to read slower? Not not read... Um, read these yeah yeah i'm gonna slow down now i'm gonna slow down okay uh since this is march writes phil i need to shift to basketball i was a freshman at ucla when bill walton was a senior so i'm more tolerant of his color commentary for espn and the pac-12 network bill's play-by-play colleague on espn dave pash now has a new adjective when people identify who the announcers will be for a broadcast tonight's announcers will be hall of fame uh, hall of famer bill walton providing the color commentary and long-suffering dave pash doing the (laughs) play-by-play um Bill is known for his hyperbole. For example, when Oregon State turns the ball over due to a shot clock violation, Bill will offer, that was the single worst offensive possession in the long history of Oregon State basketball. Ralph Miller is turning over in his grave right now. (laughs) During a game at Eugene, Oregon, home of the University of Oregon Ducks, Bill will comment on the location. Here we are, the heart of the Willamette Valley, end point of the Oregon Trail where so many pioneers aspired to arrive, but unfortunately many succumbed to cholera. Dave, have you ever been sick with cholera? (laughs) Dave replies, no, Bill, I have never had cholera, but I am curious what you think UCLA needs to do to attack the the 3-2 zone that Oregon has just switched to. Ah, the repartee between Bill and long-suffering Dave has been noted by the author James Kirkland. He has written three crime-solving novels that feature Dave and Bill. See photo of one book below, and here, Rebecca, is the Bill Walton Mysteries, Friend of the Devil. I did not know that. The Bill Walton Mysteries, Friend of the Devil. (laughs) Um, One is set in Hawaii during the Maui Classic, and another set in Las Vegas during the season-ending Pac-12 tournament. In any case, my suggestion for Steve when he finishes his current novel he can then write a book featuring rebecca and holly Rowe as mystery solvers i love that idea surely some of the anecdotes in this upcoming book can mention them sharing the same wardrobe rebecca do you have any bill walton or dave pash stories i actually do dave pash used to call um wnba games early in um in the history of the league and uh sometimes i was a sideline reporter i don't think i ever got to be his color analyst for wnba but i was a sideline reporter just the, one of the really good guys um in, in this business. And once um, I called a Stanford game, I think it was Stanford, Oregon, with Dave Pash and Bill Walton. I guess Bill Walton wanted to call That's a right. women's game. And, um, and of course, he when he's calling games, it's with Dave Pash. And so they added me to the broadcast. And I was told, you know, Bill has some um, idiosyncrasies. He was very kind to me. Um, but when we were watching Shoot Around, 
uh, I was told he doesn't want to, he doesn't talk to Dave or the other analysts during shoot around because he wants everything once you come on air to be fresh and new and whatever. Like, so he doesn't want to have the co- those conversations in the shoot around. He wants to have them during the game. Um, so we got to call a game together and it was definitely different and weird because um, at, at one point, Bill went off on um, women in other parts of the world who aren't even allowed to drive cars. Um, and but it was fascinating. And he's Bill Walton. And uh, and I really I really enjoyed him. I really enjoyed calling the game. He actually joined Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi's show that they did um, during the final four. And at one point he asked, said something about you two aren't in the Hall of Fame. Like, this is unbelievable. How are you two not in the Hall of Fame? And Diana and Sue said, we're still playing, yes. Bill. And he said, well, they need to change the rules of the Hall of Fame. How are you two not in the Hall of Fame? So anyway, he's um, he is a he's a basketball fan and he does uh, he does definitely pay attention to the women's game as well. I've had several conversations with him. Uh, I've written at least two columns, I think, about him based on those conversations. And uh, the guy is always interesting to talk to. Yes. And I don't, I don't know what your experience was. Very kind. Oh, my gosh. Ridiculously kind, yeah. We used to exchange emails from time to time. It's been years, but uh, a ridiculously nice guy who, and I told him, I've told him this a few times, when I was in college, when the 86 Celtics were dominating the NBA and Walton was, you know, uh, just such a memorable uh, piece of that team, mm-hmm. whether playing or, or cheering from the bench, we used to, or we, my fr- high school friends and I were obsessed with that Celtics team. And we used to order pizzas before, you know, watching Celtics games. And we always gave the name Bill Walton when ordering pizzas. Yeah. I mean, and I I remember watching those 86 teams as well. And I would have been 13, I guess, at the time, 12 or 13. And I remember um, him on the side, you know, because he was injured or had limited minutes just waving the towel. Yeah, absolutely. And and I still think, like, that's how a teammate should be when they're not in the game and on the bench. They should be a cheering, encouraging, towel-waving um teammate and i think that or that first was planted in my head by bill walton absolutely rebecca i want you to read the next one at a, at a normal pace this comes from claire it says two ball and chain i know my dad has written you a few times uconn versus georgia tech game etc he introduced me to your podcast a while ago and i have to say i'm hooked i'm a freshman in high school yay and just finished my varsity basketball season my aau season just started super excited that our coach has the entire team do a women's bracket I have always been interested in sports analysis, and listening to you is truly inspiring. I always tune in when you or Holly Rowe are calling a game. I just wanted to say thank you for teaching me so much about basketball and women's basketball. I am looking forward to the remainder of March Madness, especially since men and women can use the phrase. Yes, that is exciting. I wanted to share with you my most recent project in art class. I hope you like it, and yes, I got an A on it. And there's a thumbnail photo attached. Of the art project. How do I make this bigger? Click, just click just on click it, Rebecca. On it? Oh, this is really cool. It's the insole. It looks like the insole from a shoe. And it's got the Husky logo, USA Basketball logo, ESPN logo, WNBA logo, breast cancer logo, number 50, and the ball and chain logo with the blue. Oh, the... Uh, and the, uh, plus... The legal sign with With a... Uh, with a letter. This is awesome. Thank you, Claire. This is amazing. And uh, good luck with your AAU season. This is awesome. 
And thanks for listening. Yeah, she's in high school. Thanks for listening. Well, this is one of these classic segues. The next one, Rebecca, is leaving the seat up. So should I take this <laughs> That's one? That's not from Claire. Dear Restiva slash Stebecca, writes Seamus. Oh, no, that's not Seamus. Uh, it's Eric. I don't know how I came up with Seamus, but um, it's, in his, it's in his e- email signature in, uh, in Massachusetts. Long time, first time. First, thank you for the pod. It's hilarious and a great way to catch up on your lives, which are remarkably similar to so many of ours in so many ways. Uh, thank you. I also love hearing from DGS each week, although his life seems vastly different somehow. The fact that the length of time spent on your viewer mail has surpassed the content portion of the show also makes me chuckle. In fact, it is is a monster that has eaten the rest of the show in in a good way. Don't you Mm -hmm. think, Rebecca? Yeah. Anywho... Why am I compelled to write today? I had to get a rapid COVID test this morning and so went to the local urgent care right when it opened. While waiting for my results, I needed to use the water closet. Imagine my delight when I noticed that the seat was up. As a male, I had always been taught that it was polite to leave it down, but after hearing Rebecca's tale of actually being happy when she saw it up in such a situation, early morning clearly had had just been cleaned, my perspective changed. I still put it down when I left the WC, but smiled as I did so. Thank you again for sharing your wit and stories with us, your resident polite water closet user. Too much? Eric in Massachusetts. Well, that's perfect, Eric, because after you use it, it's no longer the clean, the, the just cleaned bathroom, and you indicated that by putting the seat back. I, I still travel with with it. I have them pre-printed paper ribbons that I that I rewrap around the seat after I've used it. That says <laughs> that you travel protection. With? Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, Mark writes, dear Rebecca and Steve, the subject line may have given you a hint as to who this email is talking about. Now he writes, checking in at six foot six feet nine inches tall, barefoot, seven foot, three inch wingspan, and 18 men's shoe. What? The subject line may have given you a hint as to who this email is talking about. Enclosed are a few pictures from last summer's visit to Maine when we made a trip to the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield. As you can see, she has grown a little since the last time Rebecca saw her up close. We did see you from a distance at the Final Four in San Antonio last year. We were standing and waving from a distance and Rebecca saw her and waved back. Hope to see you at a wins game this summer and definitely will be at the 2023 Women's Final Four. Oh, that's when it will my be girl. Here, what's her, what's when her it, height When it will be here in again? Dallas, that will be the summer she graduates high school. Now, the picture is is like, uh, you know, enlarged, so I, I can't I can't focus on, uh, on, but it's a picture from the Hall of Fame. And if I can figure out how to, to reduce the size of the picture, um, uh, which I will do here in a second. So here's a picture, Rebecca, of Abby 69. Uh, in front of a uh, display at the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield. Six, nine, and what, what did he say her wingspan is? Abby's seven, wingspan? three. Man, UConn could have used her in the national championship oh, game, huh? Yeah. I, I bet think, she could I, get some rebounds. Oh, Abby, I, think, I don't know if I'm doing any Dallas games this year. Um, but if I am, hopefully I get to see you. And uh, it's because it's been a couple of years. I, I got to wave to her last year, but it's been a couple of years since I saw her in person. Um She's size 18 now. I wonder uh, if she's – because I remember one of the early emails was just asking where to get shoes. Freedman's in Atlanta, right? Yeah, Freedman's. That's the spot. But, um, oh, I'm so excited that uh, that she's still uh, interested in basketball, that they made the trip up here, and uh, hopefully I'll get to see her at some point this summer. And the 23 Women's Final Fours in Dallas. So there you go. Yeah. If not – Oh, he, he says – I'm, I'm scanning through this email. That will be the summer she graduates high school. So summer She's of twenty three, right a now. year from, a year from now yeah. will be the. It's twenty 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 three already. These numbers are starting to get really science fictiony, you know. I know totally. So cool. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Abby. Good luck, Abby. Ah, greetings from uh, March Madness Japanese style. Ooh, Michael. Greetings, Stephen Rebecca. As always, I hope this finds you both well. March in Japan brings about its own madness. One. 
and I hope I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, the Sakura, S-A-K-U-R-A, come into full bloom and people emerge from their abodes and droves to snap photo after photo of the delicate pink blossoms. I assume this that's the official name of cherry blossom? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Sakura fever is so strong that the TV news stations actually track when full bloom reaches each city. Two, March is also home to Sumo's second basho, or tournament of the year. This year in Osaka, it was won by... Uh, Wakataka Kaji, a new up-and-coming Japanese rikishi slash parentheses wrestler. His name is pronounced Wakataka Kage. So I, I think I got it right. I remember when uh, Meat Bomb was the, was the grand sumo, and, and my friend Franz did a long meat piece in SI. Meat bomb. bomb. Yeah, I forget what his... Like a bomb of meat? Yeah, yeah, that was his nickname. Everybody Not B-A-L-M, but B-O-M-B? Not a meat bomb, no. No, a meat bomb. Okay. For the last 20 years or so, sumo, still the national sport of Japan, has been dominated by two truly great Mongolian wrestlers, uh, Asa Shoryu and Hakuho. The latter just retired and holds almost every sumo record in the books. Rebecca, perhaps you could propose that ESPN begin broadcasting sumo bashos globally, maybe introduce a sumo super league, and be the play-by-play announcer. Steve S.I. would be certainly interested in a full-length article. And I think, Rebecca, that Dr. Gary Siegel could get into sumo in the way that he's you know, gotten into F1, F1, don't you think? Maybe. Well, Michael would be our sumo correspondent. Is our sumo correspondent. Keep happy and healthy. I remain Michael. Verse-free, Rebecca. A verse-free email from, from Michael. You say that as if that's a good thing. No, no, no. I, I, it's a, it's it's that's a, a bit of a disappointment. I'm glad he's writing in. He doesn't have to. I'd rather he write in without verse right. and still write in. Right. But I do I do appreciate his, 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 his poetic stylings. His, his, absolutely. Um, Julie writes, sad that we didn't get to connect with Rebecca at the Target Center. I smuggled the bag of assorted Swedish fish in both Friday and Saturday. We'll gladly send you a care package in exchange for BNC swag. Great atmosphere all weekend. Minneapolis knows how to throw a party. Our only regret was not getting to listen to Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi's simulcast. Looking forward to Rebecca's reflections on the weekend. I hope she made it home okay. Heard about all the canceled flights. Thanks for entertaining us every week. Julie and Amy, yes, Julie wrote this and is the mom from Nebraska. Now, Rebecca, are, were these these purveyors of Swedish fish? Um, they smuggled in bags uh, uh, both days. So, I, 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 you know, when you mentioned the clear bags of Swedish fish, I thought they would have had been smuggled. You're not allowed to bring in your own food, right? I don't know. No, you haven't. You haven't gone in as, as a uh, as a civilian in, in so long that you have no idea. Uh, dear Rebecca and Steve, writes uh, Rachel in Idaho. Good day to you and happy wrap up of March Madness. There were some truly amazing games, but none better than the double overtime thriller. Truly a game for the ages. As a basketball fan, I am sad to see the NCAA excuse me NCAA, season wrap up. Yes, WNBA can't get here soon enough. We had well. Well, the draft is here this coming yeah. Monday. So oh. I don't know if this has been announced or not, but it's pretty exciting. On Saturday on ESPN2, I'm not sure the time, we are going to be airing a WNBA draft special or draft preview, or I don't even know what it's called because I don't even know if it's been announced, but we've never had one before, and um, we're doing that. And then the WNBA draft is on Monday night. So we're talking like Saturday, April 9th, and Monday, April 11th, something like that. We had spring break two weeks ago, writes Rachel, and hauled our sons on a fabulous Alaskan adventure. Of course, we had to take the BNC along to Denali National Park. Pictures attached. A few questions and observations. A, with the 50th anniversary of Title IX, what do you see as the next big changes that need to happen for women's sports to continue progressing? I think I think this one is for you, Rebecca. Well, I think I think we're in the middle of change. Um, more more visibility for the sports. Um, more television coverage, more media coverage, but that's certainly on the ascent and going in the right direction. 
Uh, I feel like there are plenty of opportunities at the youth level, whether it's basketball or other sports, you know, a lot more opportunities than there ever have been. Um, And then, you know, just more awareness about, you know, people need to be aware of Title IX. They need to uh, know um, what their rights are. Like I I can remember, um, you know, my mom was a Title IX coordinator at, at her school. So if there was ever an issue um, with any of her kids or, or kids at the schools, she could say, you know, this has to happen for f- to be in compli- compliance with Title IX. So people need to be aware of it. So if they see that there are any shortcomings, um, that they that make sure that it's enforced. But I certainly feel like we're, we're on the right path. Okay, that was a two. As Rebecca, what were your top moments from the NCAA women's season? Now, this is not the final four. Oh, this is the season. Um, what were... That's I, that's a hard when one. I was watching the the final and the dominant performance by South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I remember months ago tuning into the end of Missouri South Carolina and Missouri beating South Carolina. And I, was, and I was I was watching the final. I was like, how did that even happen? You told me later that Aaliyah Aaliyah Boston, Boston was in foul trouble, trouble yeah. in that game. But um, uh, what uh, and, and the the other moment, not a top moment certainly, but but uh, we were attended a. a the kids, a UConn-Notre Dame game, at the end of which Paige Beckers uh, was injured and, uh, you know, completely changing the complexion of, of their season. Mm-hmm. And um, hardly a highlight, but those are two moments that stand out for me. Yeah, I mean, 61-point performance by Aoka Lee from, um, from Kansas State, who, by the way, wears number 50. Um, it was the most points ever scored in a Division One regular season women's college basketball game. That was a cool moment. Had to have been pretty incredible for her. The 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 most exciting moments that I was there for in person both happened um, in Bridgeport at the Bridgeport Regional. One was NC State um, and the end of the game against Notre Dame, where they were down and got a steal and a score. That game was pretty incredible. And then. Um, the UConn NC State game that went into double overtime that had big shot after big shot. Those were the two most exciting games. Moments and individual moments. Yeah, yeah. That, that I was courtside for. A Roman over Roman numeral three has the college decision been made and all paperwork officially been completed? No. no. The college division is the college decision is close, um, which will occasion a lot more paperwork, I'm sure. But uh, no, the the beauty of it is there is a May first deadline when when a decision has to be made. I mean, yeah. Otherwise, no decision. I've got a T-shirt with a school's name on it, but we have not made anything official yet. Car bumper magnet as well. Uh, Lowercase D coaching attire. I coach seventh grade boys and eighth grade girls basketball and dress up for every game I coach. It may be a suit, dress pants, sweater, blazer, etc. I am one that likes seeing coaches dressed up. Who is this from? This is from uh, Rachel in Idaho. Rachel, first of all, thank you for being one of the women who is coaching, coaching, and devoting your time to coaching. And and for dressing up, I, I, that that is that that ship has sailed. That, man. Yeah. Nobody and is. And for dressing yeah, up, nobody that's pretty is, great. I mean, you watched the. Was anybody dressing up in the in the? Uh, well, Don Staley was wearing. Don Staley always yeah, wears yeah, like um. High I don't know how you would describe like, like a, high end. Like, Business casual, yeah, but it's, but it's, it's like it's, it's too stylish to be considered. It has a it has a fashion anything. sensibility as opposed yeah. to as opposed to throwing on the school quarter yeah, zip all, that that almost everybody else does at this always point. fashion sensibility. Gino, I mean, in the men's tournament, everybody wears the the school quarter zip. Gino um, started the season with like slacks and a th- quarter zip, and uh, ended with a barrel and suspenders. And, <laughs> and I asked him, and at some point. 
um, he switched over and I asked him, was there any reason for it? And he said, no, um, just started. He, and he was trying to, he was asking their PR person, when was that? When, what, you know, when did I start wearing the dressing up again? And I just looked straight at him. I said, the game Paige Becker's returned. <laughs> I said, could it have been, you know, look good, feel good? Um, but anyway, he, he genuinely didn't remember when he started um, dressing up again. I remembered it. And that it was when Paige returned. Well, the, and then the, Jeff Walls, he kind of always has been. Um, he was always know, sort of business casual, right? Like, and, uh, like casual Friday at the. Uh, yeah, at he, the, he, he tends to wear, a, um, I think it's like a, a golf shirt, but always like. I think he used sweet. to wear like a, he used to wear like a, like a, like a button up shirt, like with a pattern on it or something. Oh, like that's right. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Uh, Cause they would say it looked like a picnic blanket. Okay. Um, who who yeah, would say that? Red, Gino. Oh, no, Gino. Gino. Okay. It red and white. Um, like plaid button down yeah, this, yeah. this year he's worn more of a uh, i think more of like a golf shirt but he always has sweet adidas shoes on sometimes custom painted for him for that that adidas is custom made for him um he has one pair with his picture like painted or something on the tongue it, it's really cool but um yeah and then tara vanderveer i think this year i think she was pretty casual in her stanford attire on the sideline if i remember correctly uh, Rachel also enclosed closes pictures from Denali. She, she here she is, uh, her family, uh, two sons, husband, and uh, and a team of dogs, a, a dog sledding team. Seriously? Yes, yeah, seriously. Are I they mean, huskies do, or what kind of do, dogs? Do, do, I don't. I, one looks like uh, at least part husky, but do you get the feeling that we're not we're not living our life to the fullest, taking advantage of winter in in ways that other people are? And, and here are two uh, ball and chain coasters, uh, bootlegged. Uh, Ooh, of course, all of our swag still the bootleg. Um, in, in front of the Denali National Park sign, and and in front of a beautiful uh, snow snow capped mountain. I so think thank you, you should Rachel. send that to me to post on Instagram. Uh, I, I will do that. Uh, let me mark that as unread. And finally, we get uh, DGS. DGS, but I just clicked on a wrong thing, and, and, and in danger of. Okay, there. I almost deleted DGS before uh, before reading them. Um, and I got to read this fast because we got to go. Uh, Dear Rebecca and Steve, howdy from Austin, Texas, where Mrs. DGS and I are babysitting for our youngest granddaughter while her parents enjoy a well-deserved vacation for a few days. Very nice. We're keenly aware of how difficult that COVID-19, the pandemic, has been on so many people, including a couple with a new baby. Our granddaughter arrived in the summer of 2019, and for most of her life, except the first eight months, her parents have been quite limited in what they do, where they go, etc. We're glad to be here, and my note will be short. One, I failed miserably on changing a dirty diaper, and thankfully Mrs. DGS was standing by. Toilet training is on the menu for the parents when they return, and I'll give it another go tomorrow. No pun intended, right? <laughs> Two, in prior podcasts, you've asked about Delta or Southwest, and I've mentioned that Mrs. DGS is our family's travel agent. She booked us on Delta. And let's say that Southwest is a fine airline, but Delta has a bit more sparkle to it. Certainly has more sparkle. Three, I am guilty as charged for not having watched the women's final four games and to Rebecca and Coach Oriema, what a great tournament and tough loss. I am guilty as charged for not having watched. Did we charge him with not watching? I don't know. But he's 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 I mean, he's, he's changing guilty. diapers. He's doing things that are much yes, more important. Yes. Four, I type before the men's game, which is in New Orleans, in a game that my son is attending. He lives close enough to Caesar's Superdome to have ridden his bicycle there. I don't know that he has ridden his bicycle there, but he was close enough to ride. Because remember, there there was an F one race or something within the last year or two, and his son rode the bike there. At least that's a a vague memory in my brain. And Roger, the cycling Colorado and Colorado cyclist, have had an exchange in these very uh, uh, emails about um, cycling shoes. I think right. Yes, he is hopeful that it will be 
it will be there. He's hopeful that his bicycle will be there after the game. Right, Dr. Siegel, uh, a medical school classmate of his who attended Duke went to the semifinals and decided not to not to attend the final. So, and no wonder. So, voila, French word coming up. He writes, voila, he has a ticket. It seemed to be a bad idea for me to fly from Austin to New Orleans and leave Mrs. DGS alone with a toddler while I attended the game. Do we think he did so anyway? I think anyway, he was everybody? trying to sabotage. I think he was intentionally not changing the diaper well so that Mrs. DGS would say, you know what, just go. Do you think DGS is a saboteurist? <laughs> he might be. He, he flew to New Orleans just to uh, set the hotel alarm clock. However, I am wearing a special polo shirt that must be over a decade old, and it is only worn on special occasions, including Saturday night and Monday night. A picture is attached. So um, here is a picture, and it's not just a polo shirt. It is a polo, Ralph Lauren polo shirt with the North Carolina logo on the sleeve. Carolina blue, or at least oh, it was before nice. several washings. Mm-hmm. These things, these these uh, polo shirts, uh, I don't think I'm talking out of school here, usually withstand about two washings, I think, before, they, before they're... Uh, <clears throat> no longer what they once yeah, were. Yeah, no longer what they once were. Uh, lastly, a bit of humor. Frank Bruni, a New York Times contributing opinion writer, has a weekly column that has a segment called For the Love of Sentences. He then quotes parts of articles that alert readers. The term alert readers recalls Dave Barry of the Miami Herald, of course, that alert readers have submitted. From his March 31st column, and he's quoting Frank Bruni here. In National Parks Magazine, Jacob Bainham reported on a positive reaction to the meatless, fungus-based breakfast patties he cooked for his family one morning. Quote, our disobedient dog begged at my feet, an endorsement tempered by the fact that he also eats mouth guards, used tissues, and socks. Uh, it sounds like sounds, sounds like, like our dog. a couple of dogs we know. Yes, meat patties, Rebecca. Fungus-based breakfast patties, meatless fungus-based breakfast patties. No, thank you. No, no please. As our as our nephew when he was little would say. No, no please. please. Would you like some more of that? No, please. No, please. No, no meatless fungus. And and lastly, uh, Doctor Siegel writes. I forgot about Formula One. One briefly, the cars are under new regulations that were created to allow closer racing, which indeed has happened. All of the parties are quite pleased with this change. The power unit requirements, Rebecca, haven't changed, and the team that finished lower in the championship last year have been allowed more development time than those at the top. Two, all of the cars will undergo upgrades and periodic changes, but Red Bull and Ferrari have been virtually tied through two races. Red Bull has a double DNF, did not finish in the first race, and Ferrari had a 1-2 finish with the Monegasque Charles Leclerc, and he highlights that so I can give the French pronunciation. Monegasque, what a great appellation for somebody who is uh, from Monaco, Rebecca. Three, we've not had a world champion display the number one on this car since 2014, as Lewis Hamilton chose to keep 44 in his car, and 2016 champion Nico Rosberg retired after winning his only world championship. Four, Mercedes and Mercedes-powered cars are not doing well. The Mercedes car design is radical, and the power unit seems inferior to Red Bull and Ferrari. Uh, and five, finally, the season is long, and Mercedes is a team with brilliant, hardworking people and lots of resources. My guess, they'll be competitive very soon. Regards, Gary. Uh, too late to be proofread, he writes. And uh, Dr. Siegel, Tom Dakari, Denny Gallagher, Rebecca Lobo, you and I have to go. We gotta go. Thank you. Play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. 
Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and ambiguous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.